The late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sports. I'm John Norman, alongside me, Jared Kimber. Day three at Old Trafford has just come to a close. Uh, the covers are on, a shortened day, but full of action, intensity, and plenty for us to speak about. Uh, England up against it, as they were this time yesterday. Uh, what a performance from uh, some of Australia's bowlers, and also from some of England's batsmen. I can confirm that today, for one day only, Steve Smith will not be player of the day. You're listening to Following On. So, Jerry Kimber, player of the day. I mean, it's a pretty big assumption you made there. I thought Steve Smith looked pretty good in the field today. He did take a good catch. Um... What a what a performance! Before we get going on the uh, usual sections of the show, uh, can I just say that at one stage I thought that Patrick Cummins was in danger of bowling himself out of the Oval Test match. I thought he dropped a little bit too short. I could see what he was trying to do, but uh, that ten-over spell uh, will rank as one of the best I've ever seen from a bowler who didn't actually take a wicket. So he's your player of the day. No, we move on to player of the day. I'm just saying, before we get to player of the day, glad you're listening. Um, I just want to talk about Pat Cummins and that 10-over spell. It was, it was quite wonderful. I can't talk about it because I have him earmarked for a later thing. You can't just change the sections because you want to talk about Pat Cummins first. You have to talk about the player of the day. Is it Rory Burns or Josh Hazelwood? It's Josh Hazelwood. Right, interesting. I, yeah, I mean, Rory Burns batted really well and probably it, he might be the difference between England winning and losing this test. Well, not winning. <laughs> not winning this test. Wow. I mean, by that I meant drawing and losing this test. Um, I thought he batted really well. But yeah, I suppose it was Hazelwood. He was outstanding uh, from, from the start, really. And uh, as you said, Cummins was not always great, but 
great for a very long period. And Mitchell Stark was, uh, it was a hot mess, I, th- I believe is the phrase. And I wasn't that impressed with Nathan Lyon either. I thought he bowled short a lot and, and wasn't online. So Hazelwood really, I mean, Burns and Burns kept England in with a chance of drawing the match. Hazelwood probably kept Australia in with a chance of, of winning the match. Um, well, so who is it? We're fudging it. Is it Burns or Hazelwood? No, it's, it's um, Basilwood. Mm. Basilwood. Burns. <laughs> it's Roche Basilwood. Let's talk about Burns then, because... <laughs> because it's definitely Hazelwood. Well, Hazelwood, from the second test through to this, the fourth, has just oozed quality. Burns has not oozed quality <laughs> from the second test through to the fourth, not even in the first test, uh, when he scored a century, I think. But today, what really impressed me about Burns was his game. He dropped his hands pretty much to anything that was bowled short. And it was he who made Cummins' first spell looked a bit ordinary, a bit one-dimensional. He was quick to seize on anything that was over-pitched. He played well off the pads. He played very well square of the wicket on the offside. He looked compact. He looked like he absolutely knew his game. And those player misses that frequented his century weren't evident today. It was not quite a surprise when he was out because the intensity had just come back into Australia's game. But you're right. England have got an opener there. I'm not sure we really believed it, even after he scored a century. But I do now believe that England do have at least one opener, um, which isn't bad considering they've been looking for one opener for the last seven years. This is why like, like people get really excited about 100, right? This is a better innings than the 100 yeah. because he was in control of his game, as you said. Um, I, I thought he handled the short stuff really well. Didn't score off it, so he's going to get a lot more of it because now teams know that at the very least he, you, he won't get away um, if you bowl short. Um, he handled the off spin well again, lined and bowled brilliantly, um, but, it, but he was really impressive. Um, but the, the other bloke, Hazelwood, the actual player of the day, um, he has just looked incredible. I think dropping him, I, I think Australia have made an incredibly uh, uh, strong move with him. I think leaving him out of the World Cup and making him feel like he wasn't necessarily number one or number two guy anymore, then dro- not having him in the first test, it was the best thing they could have do. He needed to kick. This is the Hazelwood that I thought when I first saw him bowl at 19, he had to be. It's not the Hazelwood that, you know, if he'd been bowling like this his whole career, he would never have been dropped and never had to go out. He, he's, he's rekindled that fire. And he's fast. And, you know, we've been chatting um, in the press box today. You know, you've got Cummins, Bumra, or Bumra, Bumra, um, and Hazelwood and Rabada. And it's like right at the moment, just on, on very, you know, current form, you'd have to say that only um, Bumra is probably better than Hazelwood. Well, story of the day is absolutely obvious, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> Old, Old Trafford possess... The quickest scoreboard in world cricket. Have you not noticed? So earlier on today, Rory Burns flicked, I can't remember who it was, but let's just say Mitchell Stark, because it probably was, away for four, yeah, to square leg. And the ball fair raced its way to the boundary. There was no uh, fielder on the um, a sweeper. So as soon as it went past the uh, fielder station, Matthew Wade probably, at square leg, it was four, right? As the ball... It was about five yards past Wade. I looked up to the scoreboard, which read 47, and I turned to Dan Norcross, who was in the uh, commentary box. I said, 50 for Rory Burns. Dan Norcross, of course, being a fellow fellow Surrey uh, fan. No, no, no. That's moved him to 47. 
The scoreboard had registered the four before the ball had even passed Matthew Wade at square leg. I thought, this must be just an aberration. So I'm just going to have to take the microphone away. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> I'm taking the microphone back. So, um, yeah, I just think brilliant. The scoreboard operator makes the call before the ball has even passed the fielder inside. So are you honestly telling me that's not story of the day? So the story of the day <laughs> is that England batted uh, very solidly, very defensively, fought really hard, and they're still in a position where that hard work has not paid off because essentially the batsmen can't make hundreds. And, and one of Burns or Root had to make a hundred. Do you know the thing is, all right, fair enough that the scoreboard operator excellence isn't story of the day. England are only, they're only ever one ball away from a collapse, aren't they? You know, again, they did it today. Three wickets for 30 runs. And the only reason they scored 30 was because Jason Roy came in and just thought, I'm only going to last about two overs, so I'm just going to go for it. It's not often you see middle stump flattened to a delivery that isn't from a spinner after 74 overs uh, in, a, in a game where nobody's been bowled yet. I mean, that was a massive misjudgment. He, at the very least, he should have been legged before. You know, it's completely unacceptable to have middle stump uprooted in the manner that we saw, especially after he just played that beautiful uh, back foot on the toes uh, square drive. He's out, isn't he? He's, he's not playing test cricket again after this test. It's, it's really interesting. I remember the first time he played in test cricket was at Ireland. Was that his first test? Yeah. And I was watching him. And we all thought, whoa, because it was Mark Adair, wasn't it? Yeah. Who could have got him out three times in his first over in test cricket. And I remember my first thought being was that he should definitely get bowled or be LBW here. My second thought was he should definitely go out court behind here. And neither of those two things have gone. He looks like, a, in test cricket, a permanent candidate for both of those things, which is a huge problem because generally one weakness you can kind of get, you know, Travis Head and uh, Rory Burns and, and a lot of these players. That everyone's got, you know, unless you're Steve Smith, you kind of have one area that teams can work on. Just feels with... Uh, Jason Roy, there's more than one. Um, and we haven't even seen, you know, the, the obvious thing is probably being, being a limited overs batsman who bats at number six for Surrey when he plays first-class cricket. You don't think the other thing is going to be not, maybe not patient so much, but, you know, building a long innings is not going to be... So that's going to come in late, even if he, if, if he manages to stay in long enough. That's going to be a problem as well. There just seems to be so many facets. Of, and he's an incredible batsman, and I love watching him. And in another team... He'd be a great... I can almost see him be a really good number six for Australia. But, or maybe yeah, number yeah. seven or something, even. But I just... You know, he got... Joe Denley had to open it. He was, he was basically like a night watchman for Roy. The whole thing is just so bizarre. And then... Did you see the way the bales came off in perfect harmony at the same time? I don't know. It was... He went out. Uh, ball of the day, well, I mean, off the top of my head, uh, and I did make a note of the short delivery, which, you know, Rory Burns had dropped his uh, gloves on pretty much every short delivery that was anywhere near him. He did go for one pull, actually, which went for four uh, down to fine leg. I didn't quite think he was in control of it. And there was one other one that he tried to fend at, but essentially there was a delivery from Cummins, which reared up and it was going for his, for his throat. Um, he got his gloved foot. What are you shaking your head for? It didn't go through his throat. It went for his nipple. It was a nipple twister. 
Oh, really? It was a nipple twister. Yeah. I've got I've got no uh, screen in here, so I have basically first time's the best time and only time for me. But um, fended it down. It was like uh, watching, you know, some of those deliveries back in the day. So that for me was ball of the day. But that, to be honest, you could count many from that ridiculously ferocious Pat Cummins spell, and then of course Josh Hazelwood came in to mop up. So, um, what about yourself? Yeah, I mean, Cummins bowled a few. I, Hazelwood bowled an incredible one to Joe Root early on after he beat him on the outside edge, and then he bowled an off-cutter outside off stump that just darted back, and, and Root left it. But it was just such a... And, and, and it went safely past the stumps, but it was just such a brilliantly set-up ball. It just didn't happen to hit the stumps. Um, and then I think the I think the Jason Roy ball was pretty good too. Um, you know, to be fair to Jason And Roy, the uh, Joe Root LBW as well. They're very similar deliveries, actually, and they're both set up in the same kind of way. And, and to be fair to Jason Roy, it was getting dark. And when he came in, the ball was already starting to reverse. So it was dark, it was reversing. He was getting close to stumps, and he was getting close to the new ball. But the thing is that Joe Root's already made so many excuses for Jason Roy that there's a certain point where you're just like, do you know, do you know what? Sometimes test cricket is really hard. I've got to say, my shot of the day actually also involves Jason Roy. I don't know if in the press box the sound of the ball off the bat was quite as crystal clear as the cover drive Jason Roy hit from Josh Hazelwood. It wasn't the ball before he was out. It absolutely pinged. In fact, it was his first scoring shot. As pleasing a cover drive as you'd see, certainly I saw today. But the sound of it um, was quite beautiful. That was my shot of the day. Don't make yours. Uh, Rory Burns played a back foot crunch through point, like almost a back foot drive force through point, which is not really his go-to shot, I I wouldn't have thought. Off pace or spin? I can't remember it. I think that was off Stark. I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember. I think it was Stark. Um, but it was a really, really good shot. Um, and, you know, he's not the most graceful player. So when he plays a graceful shot, it's worth calling it out. Do you know what? I think that aesthetically, Rory Burns played a more attractive innings today than Joe Root did. He, he looked more uh, pleasing and certainly in control of his game. So I think that's, a, that's credit where credit's due. C- close to a rant of the day topic, this, but... The idea that the scoreboard, the, the idea that left handers are more aesthetically pleasing than right handers when they bat is just such pure nonsense. Um, there are there's an incredible amount of ugly left handers in the world, um, and people just seem to ignore them. So uh, uh, you know that has nothing to do with what you were saying between uh, Burns and, and Root today. But I just want it to be on record that left hand batsmen can be horrendous. Just because David Gower and Brian Lara were left-handed doesn't mean anything because Graham Smith, Simon Kattich, Rory Burns... Uh, Graham know, Smith? Uh, oh, I've already said him. You said him twice because of how unattractive he was. Um, do you remember, I mean, you know, Chandra Paul? There's heaps of them. Absolutely, you know, terrifyingly ugly batsmen to watch. And I just think it's important that um, I make this point on this podcast today, despite the fact it has no relevance. It's always got relevance. I once read something that uh, suggested that the reason that you uh, you think, not you personally, but... <laughs> the reason the, that Jared Kimber says things. <laughs> the, the reason that you think that left-handed batsmen are more elegant than right-handed is because it's almost like a trick of the eye, a bit like when you look at something in the mirror. So you're essentially looking at what is, is real, but because you're looking at it the wrong way, it tricks your brain into thinking that it's different. So that's why when we, look, when we look in the mirror, we look so much more handsome than we are in real life. Yeah, that is exactly why. The other thing is, all you have to do is watch... Remember how Ian Bell used to bat, and he looked as perfect as playing the cover drive as any left-hander. Um, where are we, anyway? <laughs> 
tough one today, Rory Burns, magician and clown. Let's hear how they can possibly uh, say anything boring in the, the uh, post-match press conference. Uh, yeah, it's obviously not ideal, but you know, I think the way we scrapped uh, throughout the day and the, the way we played, um, you know, we're in a, in a decent position. <laughs> like it says on the tin, test cricket is test cricket, isn't it? And uh, yeah, it was challenging at times, you know, a couple of points we got on top and that sort of stuff, but it's a bit of a, a bit of a chess match as it went on and uh, yeah, it was good to be part of. Going <laughs> saying too much we didn't reinvent the wheel out there we were just you know trying to keep each other level and, and try and grow that partnership as much as we could and make it as big as we could a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Okay, so round of the day, you've got one. I've got a mini one. Shall I go first? If it's about the scoreboard, I'm just leaving. You better go then. <laughs> Is it about the scoreboard? No, why would I rant about the best scoreboard in world cricket? How quickly so do they operate? Can I have that microphone back? Now, my rant of the day is, why on earth are England waiting for England to lose the Ashes before changing the team? I know it's a subject that we may have dressed, uh, addressed in the past, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, England made uh, 139 for six at Lords in the second test. They should have lost that test match. It was clear that something needed to be done. And yet, fast forward to the fourth test match with a 67 all-out uh, in as a filling of this sandwich, and here we are again. I mean, literally, we're waiting for the ashes to be lost before then we go to the Oval, and suddenly Dominic Sibley will be opening, and Ollie Pope will be at number six. Ben Foes, they're basically play Surrey, apart from Jason Roy. And, you know, why are we waiting for that, Jared? 
Well, I did an AMA on Reddit today, and there was a lot of English fans basically asking that. I think it's very good. A, a slight variation for my rant um, is basically, didn't Rory Burns, the professional opener who's been opening the batting since a young age and has done so well enough uh, to push his way into a very strong Surrey team and then to push his way into the England team, despite the fact that he wasn't really a gateway player, as in not an academy guy, not yeah. a, you know, not a Lions player or anything like that. He had pushed himself in. And, and as a professional opener, isn't it amazing that he looks like the best opener? Yeah, yeah um, I'd say you're right. I mean, I'd... Five seasons or something, scoring a thousand first-class runs, uh, opening the batting for you know a big county in Surrey, uh, and he had to wait his turn as well. I mean, every I and mean, they literally went round the whole <laughs> of world cricket and chose everybody apart from Rory Burns, and then they got to the end and they still didn't pick Rory Burns. They went back to Keaton Jennings again. They essentially, if Alistair Cook hadn't retired, sir. Um, Rory Burns probably still wouldn't be playing for England. Yeah, and it's just, he's a good opener. Now, uh, is he better? I'm not saying he's better than, than Jennings or anyone like that, but they've tried, in this Ashes, they're on their, they've tried three openers. Three or four? I've even lost count. So, so you know, they've, they've gone back to Denley, who, who failed as an opener earlier in his career, who's not a professional opener. They tried Jason Roy, who's not a professional red ball opener. The one guy who's made runs for them is is the you know the the white ball uh, sorry is the proper red ball professional opener. Now I know to be fair Australia's opening batsmen haven't made any runs and they are all professionals. But I, I just think there's a certain point where it's very hard to manufacture. And um, a, a guy I work with Jonas um, who, who's brilliant with the analytics and does a lot of the data stuff. He he's just like if someone's not very good at opening, and you move them down the order, guess what? They still probably won't be very good. There's there's no correlation between that. I'm not saying there aren't individual players who've done that. And he said, and the opposite is also true. If you've got a middle order player who's struggling, putting them to opening the batting, they're still going to struggle. There's not, a, you know, there's a slight drop-off, obviously, for opening the batting because averages come down. So essentially, what you want is someone who is very good at opening the batting to open the batting. It's a weird thing, um, but, you know, maybe it's something we should try. Unluckiest of the day has got to be Patrick Cummins, isn't he? 10 overs, 22 runs, uh, an edge from Joe Root via, between Tim Payne and David Warner. Countless other half chances. Brilliant, ferocious spell of bowling. And really, going back to day two at Edgbaston, the moment that really um, it became evident England were going to struggle. Uh, a poor first innings for Australia, but Australia's bowlers just didn't let up throughout. And the same thing happened again here. You know, just when it looked like um, um, Burns and Root were going to make take England to a position where they were safe, the intensity of the Aussies never let up, despite that wayward Mitchell Stark spell and the fact that Nathan Lyon wasn't bowling particularly well. Cummins today, phenomenal and... I think Josh Hazelwood, I know he said he was player of the day, but without that coming spell, I don't think Josh, Josh Hazelwood takes those three wickets. Well, I'm not sure he would have got out um, Joe Root. I think the hit on the knee affected Joe Root's batting, and that's what yeah. trapped him on the crease, essentially, at the, at the end there. I, I thought Cummins was incredible. I, I still think Hazelwood bowled better, um, but I, I thought that, that spell from, from Cummins... I mean, the... the you know, you look at him and Jofra, the pace that they're bowling, the accuracy that they both have, um, and the ability to bowl long spells, there aren't that many fast balls in, in you know, you, you're going back to, you know, someone like Wes Hall um, and, and maybe Malcolm Marshall and those sorts of guys. Generally, 
of the last few years, fast bowlers haven't bowled really long, accurate spells like this. They've bowled short, sharp spells. Yeah. So, you know, incredible um, uh, to be able to do what they do. And the pressure uh, that Cummins put on was it, was, it was just immense. It felt like England should definitely draw, but they wouldn't. Personally, it, you're right. Joe Root getting wrapped on the pad. He was in real discomfort after that. Also, Rory Burns' run scoring, he, was, he raced away pretty much to 50 and then really slowed down. Um, that, that hit on, on uh, Root's pad, it hit him on the pad. He hurt yeah. him through the pad. Yeah. That's what the pad is. I don't know if you understand this, John. The pad is designed to stop him being hurt when the ball hits him on the pad. It hurt him through the pad. Really? Because I thought the pad was there just for aesthetics. I mean, it does look good, doesn't it? Lol of the day. Uh, it was marginally, it was actually quite funny. That very first, there was a kind of a half run out opportunity. The ball was thrown towards Nathan Lyon. The batsman was in, but he took the catch and obviously could have then taken the stumps. Uh, the crowd realised immediately. And Nathan Lyon held the ball up in mock celebration for the fact. Just a, a little nod to what happened at Headingley. It was organic. It was in the moment. And it was actually really funny. It wasn't quite so funny when five hours later, the Old Trafford crowd was still cheering every time a fielder threw the ball to him. Uh, it, it wasn't until he dropped the ball. Well, that, that was funny <laughs> when, again, Jason Roy kind of ran across him, didn't he? And, uh, yeah, and then he dropped the ball. And he, he complained that the ball was in the lights as well. So earlier in the day, he'd taken it with good humour. The good humour had gone. After, Five hours later. After all those hours. And uh, you've got you to give it to the crowd. You know, they, uh, they kept with it. They showed the sort of application that England is looking for from their top four. It was a bit Family Guy-esque, isn't it, with that? The, the, uh, the cheering because it was funny and then it wasn't funny but the longer it went on and the more unfunny it got then it suddenly came round again and it became funny again so yeah, credit to them uh, the other lol moment of the day for me yesterday we had uh, crisp packet stop play or was that on day one I can't remember but the wind was still a factor here today and today we had toilet paper stop play so you know God knows what's going to happen tomorrow also I don't want to you know uh suggest that I know what goes on in Josh Hazelwood's mind. But at once, when the toilet paper went behind and Jason Murray wouldn't face up, I think he thought he was just Jedi. And he like yeah. waved his hand at it as if from 30 metres away he would be able to move the toilet paper just that little bit quicker away. It was a very, it's what you would do to a dog or a cat. Somehow he thought the, he thought the toilet paper becomes sentience. I don't know. I quite enjoyed that. I agree. I enjoyed it too. He was giving it the move on. He was just like, kind of like whooshing it, whooshing it away. But uh, yeah, so toilet paper stopped playing. Uh, two mistakes of the day for me that come to mind. Well, I say come to mind. I actually made notes today and I think the show is better for it. Yeah. Tim, Tim, Payne, <laughs> Tim Payne. Did I mention the scoreboard operator? <laughs> Tim Payne uh, with that just mistake to allow an edge from Joe Root to go past uh, himself. It was definitely keeper's catch for me. Uh, I think he was possibly unsighted. Uh, Joe Root's trying to play to uh, through mid-wicket, leading edge, or rather outside edge, flying between the wicket-keeper and David Warner. Reminiscent of that famous moment, 2013, when uh, Root did the same thing between, I guess, Brad Haddon and Shane Watson. But there's two mistakes there, because they've had their first slip too wide all series. That's happened a couple of times. When uh, David Warner took those really good catches uh, last test, he was diving to his left. Your first slip shouldn't be diving to the left. Now, I believe this is an analyst-driven thing, and they think they can cover more ground. But I, I also believe that edges generally go finer. 
um, as, as a rule yeah. at a catchable height, yeah. if you know what I mean. So I'm not sure that that backs up, but it seems weird to me. And so there's the first mistake. Are you going to say the other mistake was his review? I am. His other mistake was was the review. I that- mean, this was a. Re- I mean, let's just remember what happened. Only you know one test to go, and he went for a review that he nor bowler thought was out, and it of course cost uh, Australia because if they had reviewed, had the ability to review, they would have then overturned the on-field not-out call. Ben Stokes, and we know what happened. Tim Payne on reviewing this leg before decision, which is actually the moment that uh, Patrick Cummins injured. Uh, Joe Root's leg despite the ball hitting the pad firmly on the pad there's no way that Tim Payne he almost went for the review shaking his head saying this isn't out he's just done exactly the same thing Mm. yeah and yet the biggest mistake today was probably Mitchell Stark uh, picking him in the first place. I, I, I still think, actually, had he bowled tonight as it got darker with the, with the ball reversing a little bit and the new ball coming, he could have completely ripped England's middle and, and lower order out. So he can still come back. But he was terrible today. The reason England got away at all yeah. was because of how poor Mitchell Stark was. Moment of the day. I've actually got a bunch of moments of the day. I, I'm going to say moments of the last 24 hours because I think we forgot something really important yesterday. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, the, the Thai women's cricket team started playing with a bunch of softballers and baseballs and people from other sports. And I think they got bowled out for 35 or 40 in about their first five games. They were absolutely terrible. The sort of team that we laughed about in Africa when, when, the, when the women's team did there. And they've now qualified for the women's uh, World T20, which just shows that when you put money and, and, and these sorts and, and results Resources behind, and you push. You know, players can really improve. They were twenty-year-olds when they all got together, and now they're they're going to go to the women's world T twenty. For me, it's one of the great stories in world cricket. One of the other great stories in world cricket is Afghanistan, currently leading Bangladesh. Bangladesh fought back a little bit at the end of the day. My mate KS Ahmed took his first Test wicket, which is incredible. But Rashid Khan did really well with the bat and the ball. Um, then Lasif Malinga comes out and takes four wickets in four balls. And also, you know, sad news as well. A sad moment of the day was just Abdul Qadir, uh, someone who we would have grown up watching a lot of. For me, he was he was the only leg spinner I saw when I first started bowling leg spin. There just were no other leg spinners. They'd all been killed or, or locked up in, in in some sort of overseas jails. I'm not sure exactly where they all were, but they weren't playing. Abdul Qadir, though, played like leg spin was just a normal thing. Um, and he was, he was like watching a wizard. It's uh, when um, Fantasia, when uh, Mickey Mouse is, is you know, there, like sort of guiding, um, all, you know, all the magic in Fantasia. That's kind of what he was like. It's worth going back and uh, going to YouTube and, and typing in Abdul Qadir, some incredible footage of him online. Um, but there's, they're my moments of the day slash last 24, 36 hours whenever the Thai women won. Um, but just some great things for cricket there. Um, Ab- Abdul Qadir keeping the yard alive. Lasif Malinga with a pop belly taking four wickets in four balls. And Afghanistan men and Thai women, which are two of the best things that happen in cricket in a very long time. Well said, that man. And in hindsight, I probably should have put the scoreboard operator in this section um, <laughs> that's pretty much it for the following on podcast we'll be back tomorrow uh, where will England be where will Australia be they'll be downstairs because we're on level three of the uh, the pavilion and the players are on level two and that's probably it well what's going on I actually think that if the scoreboard operator is moving that quick it actually causes more problems so I would say that it's an erroneous scoreboard yeah no it, that's the point I mean 
it threw me off. It's just as well I wasn't on air. I would have started celebrating Roy Burns hitting 50. I couldn't have Dan Norcross from TMS tap me on the shoulder and, you know, his voice kind of bleed into uh, the talk sport rain, uh, realm. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. It's actually a huge problem. But anyway, you've talked about the scoreboard operator too much today. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, no doubt. We'll get a mention on the following on podcast. Uh, Barrett from uh, Crick Buzz is just doing the violin sign up to be through the window as he does. He's still doing it. He's still doing it. He thinks that Australia going to win sometime tomorrow. He might be right. Uh, listen in tomorrow to find out. If you listen to the following on podcast, subscribe to Acast or iTunes. Thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>